TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Your official station to talk Giants, The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Hey, WFAN with the job rules. Keep McPherson on the fan. Let's get back into it, man. I got one hour to talk sports with you guys. Call me up 888-877-337-6666. I blanked right there. I don't know why I said 888-877-337-6666. It's late, man. It's late. I had one of those weird naps right before uh, the game. Like, I put my son down to sleep at 7. So, you know, the whole sleep when the baby sleeps like that. It's hard to actually do that. But if you can do it, do it. Um, My wife came home. And once I like once we put the baby down to sleep together, I'm like, I'm so tired. I have to take a nap before this game starts. Um, I got to watch the Nets game. I got to try and watch the Devils game. And I just had a weird nap where like I didn't sleep, but I like reset. And I have enough energy. But, like, I don't know. I feel like I could go to sleep right now. But I'll power through till 2, 877-337-6666. So this Michael Carter interview in Arizona today was interesting to me. I mean, he didn't say anything, but he doesn't have to say anything for us to know what went on and what went down. And, I mean, I'm going to assume. So the headline in the New York Post reads, Michael Carter alludes to behind-the-scenes drama leading to his Jets' release. And you got to think about it. This is a guy who's young. He's 24. He's in the second year of his career. You know, and it's like he's doing the same thing. It's deja vu with the Jets that went on last year. I always reference the Patriots game where he was visibly frustrated, upset, and, like, yelling at the coaches. And it was kind of like, bro, you're a third string back. You're not even effective. What are you yelling about? But somebody has to be honest. Somebody has to get frustrated. Somebody has to yell. It ain't going to be Rob Sala. And it's not going to be a lot of the other guys on the team because they're professionals and they're clearly coached up to, like, not make much of the whole situation. But the crux of the situation is the quarterback position. And... Michael Carter goes on to say, I think there's a lot that went on behind the scenes that led to me, that led me to not be surprised. It's just a blessing to be here, and I love my teammates back in New York. Those are my brothers, and they know that. So what is understood doesn't need to be explained, and they got my number. I think he's a leader of the team. I remember watching him on One Jets Drive with Elijah Moore two seasons ago, and I think he's like, a funny guy on the team. If you see some of the content that the Jets have put out, he's a little guy. 
He's not the best player on the team by a long shot, but I think he works hard. He shows up. I think he probably goes out of his way to make friends with guys on the team and, and get to know everybody. I think he's one of those type of guys in the locker room. And, you know, when they were even talking about the prospect of Dalvin Cook joining the Jets, I think him and Brees spoke out on Twitter like to say like they liked their running back room, but they didn't have a choice. Dalvin Cook was coming here to play with Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I, think, I, I think Michael Carter was vocal. In this players-only meeting, he got cut after the meeting. I think he was probably vocal in the meeting before the meeting about, like, we all know what the deal is. Everybody else gets held accountable, right? My plan, my plan time is, is lessened. I've only had 23 touches this season. You signed a running back, you know, to come in here and play over me. That's not effective. Um, the quarterback's not effective, but you won't make a change. You back him. You literally went on to the podium and said the quarterback's playing really good after you threw the game-losing interception. And, yeah, he's in Arizona now, and he said it's a blessing to be here. Of course it is. Nice, nice uh, hot weather out there in Arizona, fresh start. Obviously, you don't want to be on a team like the Cardinals that, are, you know, they don't even have a shot to make the playoffs most likely. But maybe you'll get some touches. Maybe you'll get to play with Kyler Murray, shock some teams. Good, good for Michael Carter. He escaped. He got out of one Jets drive. He got out of the deja vu. He got out of the episode of Black Mirror Twilight Zone doing the same exact thing and expecting different results. 877-337-6666. I want to make a correction. Something else I said, probably just being sleepyhead. Shout out to Sandy, who listens to my show. I was on her podcast, Dugout Station. Uh, she says she listens to my show before she goes to bed. I'm the last voice she hears before she goes to sleep. Bedtime story, she called it. I was I was flattered by that, Sandy. So when I was talking about Glaber Torres... And talking about him and Gio, uh, Urshela, I think in the clip that Glaber showed, I saw a flag that Gio put up. And I think it was the Colombian flag. And so I misspoke when I said that Gio and, uh, or no, it was the Venezuelan flag. Um, I don't know what flag it was, actually. Now I'm looking up the flags. Let me go back because I want to be clear. I want to be Claro. He he held up a flag. Maybe I don't know what flag that is now. Um, he held up a flag in this video that Glaber Torres posted, and I thought it was a Venezuelan flag. So I'm like, oh, they're you know their buddies are both Venezuelan. But Sandy cleared it up for me on Twitter. She said, no, Gio is Colombian. Glaber is Venezuelan. So I'm like, let me go back to this video. All right, at the 17 second mark. Gio Urshela puts up a flag. What flag is this? It's not the Dominican Republic flag. Now I got to figure out what flag that is, and uh, I'll get back to you. But 877-337-6666. Unfortunately, the news just came in. The game is final. With a shootout loss in Seattle, the Islanders' losing streak has reached seven games. They are 0-4-3 in that stretch. It's not looking good. Mark is in Seaford. What's up, Mark? You're on the fan. Hey, Keith, thanks for taking my call. My original call is about Lambert. How long are they going to let him poach the Islanders as they're now, I think, 7-0-7? and oh and, seven. and losing these overtime games is, is pathetic. But my actual question for you as a Dallas fan is, can Dak Prescott bring you back if you get down big? Can he throw you back into a game? 
without throwing the game away, without turning the ball without, over. Exactly. I mean, he's probably in the top ten as far as quarterbacks are now because of the way the league is. It's a quarterback-starved league. But I don't see him as the guy that if you're down 20 to bring you back. No, he wasn't able to do it against the Niners, right? The Niners' first drive come out, and they hang seven on the Cowboys. The Cowboys only scored 10 points in a 42-10 blowout. Not for nothing, uh, I've backed Dak, and and I've tried to have his back, but he's able to pad his stats against the Giants, who are tanking. It's my my team, and I'm going to admit it to you. But, yes, he's killed us. The the Rams game they had forty three points. The Rams were running Brett Rippin out there. Yeah. Um even the Patriots. The Patriots are terrible. They beat the Patriots thirty eight three. They beat the but Jets yeah, like earlier on, on in this year. Teams, is he gonna be able if you guys get down early? No, we saw it against the Eagles. The Eagles tried to hand them that game. They tried oh, to no, give oh, them oh, the oh, game. Oh and yes, he, the Eagles, they, they couldn't yeah. score. He stepped out of bounds like Zach Wilson. Yours. That game was yours. Six times over, and they couldn't, and they couldn't punch it in. He took a no. sack. Uh, there were so many mistakes. I remember flipping out. Jake Ferguson didn't know how to line up, and I'm like, oh, is the wrong personnel in the game? The tight end doesn't know what to do on stepping the play. Stepping out of bounds. The stepping out of bounds. Oh, I'm just like, come on, God, bro. you got to be more athletic than that. Dive and get to the pylon before you yeah. step out of bounds first. The game He's is on the line. He's making a lot of money. You don't have another choice. I get it, but, oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. He's holding you back. He's frustrating. He's frustrating. Um, for the amount yeah, of money that he commands, he yeah. has good games, but we'll see. This is it right now. Like The Eagles game coming up, and then whatever happens in the playoffs this year is really going to define Dak Prescott. He can't have another failed season. Uh, he's got oh. a he's got like a, a $60 million cap hit coming up. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Thanks for the call, Mark. 877-337-6666. Dak Prescott is frustrating because, you know, the the way that the media focuses on the Dallas Cowboys and the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys is OD. It's too much. It's it's crazy how much they talk about Dak Prescott. And it's not fair the way they talk about Dak Prescott in comparison to some other quarterbacks. He's up there this year. Now they're giving him his roses. Now they're putting him in the conversation for MVP, saying he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's about what you do against the top competition it's about what you do in crunch crunch time anybody can beat up on the little guys anybody can beat up on the teams who don't have quarterbacks or using their backup quarterbacks and they can't score points and you've got multiple opportunities to put drives together and yeah this year is going to come down to Dak and CD Lamb making the throws making the plays against top defenses that 49ers defense humbled them Fred Warner and those guys embarrassed the Cowboys I turned that game off. Dak threw three interceptions. It was like, what is he doing? He's reverting back to last year. But I don't know. I, I, really, I don't know. We'll see. They got the Panthers. They better not have a letdown against the Panthers with an 11-point spread. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. I do want to look at the spreads for week 11. I, I definitely want to hit that before the show gets too deep. 877-337-6666 is a football Friday, and I love this week 11 slate. It started off with the Bengals losing to the Ravens. We thought we were going to get a better game, but uh, you guys knew Joe Burrow was compromised. And I just saw online the narrative of the Bengals should be punished for hiding Joe Burrow's in- injury. Like they should be docked a draft pick or something like that. Um, 
And everyone's saying, you know, they posted the video. They posted the video showing his injury. Then they deleted it to try and cover it up. And they didn't have him listed on the injury report. And he had the wrist protector on. He had the wrist brace on. I, I just think it's the NFL. And like I said, he's an Ohio kid. He's a tough guy. He's making a ton of money. He's the face of the franchise. He's the number one overall draft pick. He's a national champion. He's trying to get back to the Super Bowl. He's trying to be there for his team, his community, um, all the fans that support Hootay Nation. And it just sucks because it, there's one thing about being hurt. There's another thing about being injured. And it was clear the kid could not. It's his right hand. It's his throwing hand. He could not grip and throw the ball. I don't know how he made it through warm-ups. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Let me know how you feel. Should the NFL penalize the Bengals for hiding Joe Burrow's injury, or is that something that's on the player? I feel like years ago, before the NFL kind of got soft, like it was a regular thing. I, you know, I, I know in all sports, right? You weren't you weren't pulling Derek Jeter off the field. Derek Jeter, you know, unless he you know broke his ankle, he's gonna play hurt. Guys play hurt because it means something to them. And they know how much it means to the fans and the people watching. They want to be out there. They're making a ton of money. And, you know, in this modern-day time, look at the NBA. you got guys collecting contracts in the NBA. And, like, Ben Simmons is a perfect example. I never really know with Ben Simmons. My neck, my back, my neck, and my back. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if dude is really hurt or not. I don't know if he's actually hurt or, you know, they just keep coming up with stuff. And I don't know why I'm so cooked. The flag that Gio Urshela put up was the Dominican Republic flag. So if you look on my Twitter or Glaber Torres' Twitter, um, you probably have to scroll a while. I tweet a lot. I just always tweeting about sports. That's why I use Twitter. Uh, I literally, I'm, I'm, I'm at the point with Twitter. I, I have a New Year's resolution, and I'm starting it now. I've already started my New Year's resolutions in the gym. I've been sore all week. I'm back at it. But uh, my New Year's resolution on Twitter, X, Elon Musk machine. It's just not to respond to anybody that doesn't have a profile pic. If you can't take the time to put a picture of yourself on your profile, that means, one, you're hiding, two, you're lazy, three, you don't really use the app. So if you're only logging on to hate on me or say something negative to me, I'm not giving you the time of day. I respond to everybody. I interact with everybody. Um, I'm not really like a mean guy online because I represent myself, my family, WFAN, I literally I'm like, I'm on Twitter as my government name and my face. My New Year's resolution is to not even respond to anybody with a shadow, silhouette, a gray uh, head and shoulders icon as their Twitter profile. Like, If you don't have the time to put a profile pic, I can't give you my time of day. But Glaber Torres and Gio Urshela are in the clip that Glaber showed, the Glay way, and 17 seconds in... There is a flag, and I don't know why I blanked on the flag. You know what it is? Because the flag was so big, and I'm used to seeing it as an emoji. That's the Dominican Republic flag. Glaber's not Dominican, and Gio's not Dominican, and we clear that up now. Glaber is Venezuelan, and Gio is Colombian, and I'm not exactly sure why they have the Dominican Republic flag. But the conversation around Gio that came from that tweet, you know, in this modern-day time, and I was talking about this the other day, and I get it. The Yankees still have a ton of respect globally, um, a global brand, iconic pinstripes, their history and that. But, you know, the lore of coming to New York to build your brand in the media market, the mecca of media market one, like, 
that, that's not really a thing anymore. Like Shohei Otani is global in Anaheim, and Labor Torres is now building out his YouTube channel and showing us behind the scenes of his workouts and his life. And I think it might be because he hears all the rumblings about him not getting a long-term contract here and him potentially being traded. And so his advisors are probably saying, hey, build out your followers, build out your brand, use the offseason to showcase who you are more, and maybe those Yankee fans will follow you to, I don't know, wherever he's going to get traded to, small market team, Arizona. Um, I don't know. I think this is strategic. And that's why I said, are they going to trade Glaber Torres or not? Like, um, th- this guy's he's launching this GT Glayway uh, YouTube channel stuff, and I think he's preparing to potentially be out. You know, Glaber's Glaber's brand is built. Glaber has uh, JBL deal. Glaber has a bunch of other brand deals, commercials, uh, stuff like that. He's prepared for them to trade him. He's literally showing you Gio Urshela in, in his videos. That's his friend. His friend is doing fine. Got traded up out of here for Josh Donaldson. But, okay, week 11. This this game, I think, was Ravens minus 5.5. And, and they absolutely smoked them. Wasn't close. My parlays did not hit. Mark Andrews, um, Zay Flowers, just not good. But I'm ready. I'm ready to rumble. Um, I'm ready to I'm ready to rock for um week eleven. Let's see the odds. The LA Chargers at Green Bay Packers. The Chargers are minus three favorites. The Tennessee Titans at Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars have to bounce back. They're minus seven favorites. The Las Vegas Raiders, can they win three in a row here? And beat the Dolphins in Miami. Miami. At 12.5-point favorites? See, I don't know. I, I don't know about that one. The Dallas Cowboys go to North Carolina to face Lil Bryce Young and the Panthers. They're 10.5-point favorites. Michael Parsons is going to be all over that little man. The Arizona Cardinals with Michael Carter now. They go to Houston to face the Texans. I think that's an intriguing matchup. C.J. Stroud and the Texans are only 4.5-point favorites. The Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Cleveland Browns face off. Dorian Thompson Robinson is getting the start. I think he'll be a lot better than he was when we first saw him. Uh, he's an athlete. He makes plays. Kenny Pickett, I need you to go out there and rock. Pittsburgh Steelers plus one and a half. I don't know. I like that. I might have to take the Steelers. The New York Giants at Washington Commanders. Tank Dell, Tank Bigsby, Javante Tank Davis. It's Tank. The Washington Commanders already lost to the Giants, but with Tommy DeVito at quarterback and them being at home, Irvin Magic Johnson's team, they're nine-and-a-half-point favorites over the Giants. The Chicago Bears get Justin Fields back to go to Detroit and face the Lions. The Lions are rolling. The Lions feel like they're one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFC. They're minus seven-and-a-half favorites at home. Should be good for their fans getting uh, better home games than that first home game that they lost. This is the first year in a long time. They sold out season tickets at Ford Field. The Tampa Bay Bucks head out to Santa Clara to face the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are 11 and a half point favorites. And yeah, I, I understand that. That offense is rolling. That defense is incredible. The New York Jets at Buffalo Bills. The season is on the line for both teams. The Bills want to avenge that week one loss. The New York Jets had a team meeting, play, players only meeting. Zach Wilson, go out there and make plays. 
That's a, that's a conversation I was having with Connor Gang Green, one of our producers here, as we were watching Jake Browning run for first downs. As we watched Jake Browning tonight, <laughs> Jake Browning had uh, a touchdown pass tonight. Jake Browning was eight for fourteen and like moved the offense, came right in, and the the Ravens defense is no slouch. That's one of the best defense in, defenses in the NFL. I guess you could say they were, you know. They were chilling a bit because the game was out of hand, but he looked more than competent. And Jake Browning, I, c- I couldn't even tell you what school Jake Browning went to. I'm not familiar with him. I don't know where he was, what you know round he was drafted. Zach Wilson has to go make plays. There's too many times that we've watched him play where he holds onto the ball, like waiting too long. You can't make a play holding onto the ball. Get rid of the ball. Then there's also too many plays where he ineffectively scrambles left and right. Or, like, backwards and get sacked. And it's like, go forward and make a play. Go forward and get the yards. Positive yards. That counts as making a play. Or taking a chance downfield. Um, whether they draw it up or not, which they don't enough, too many times they put him in situations where he's got to stand in the pocket and make a throw, and he forces a throw or airmails a throw, and then that's not making a play. you got to go make plays. I said to Connor, I'm like, I remember playing football and – as an offensive player, and even as a defensive player, it's who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. Everybody wants to be the guy to make the big play. And it's football. You got to go take those plays. So I hope that this week, Zach Wilson goes out there and he makes plays and he takes those plays. And the Jets can beat the Buffalo Bills at home. They're reeling right now. All the conversation around the Bills is bad. From Stefan Diggs and Trayvon Diggs talking about Josh Allen, and today on The Fan, they're talking about trading Josh Allen to the Giants, and uh, even the narrative that you know the Bills haven't been the same since DeMar Hamlin went down. This is the Jets' opportunity to save their season and not let the same thing happen as last year. You can't, you can't lose three in a row. The Seahawks and Rams game is intriguing to me. I think Matt Stafford, is Matt Stafford back? Because if, if they're running out there with, with Brett Rippon or whatever... Um, I don't know. No, yeah, Matthew Stafford prepared prepared to play. So if Stafford is back, you know, these guys are going to try and compete. Seahawks, I don't know about the Seahawks anymore. I know they were a peer-tier team when we uh, talked about them facing the Giants. But, like, they're super mid to me. They're just, like, not, I don't know. They're second place in the NFC West. They're 6-3. and three. I think they're not as good as their record. I think they can go in there and lose to the Rams. Uh, The Minnesota Vikings at Denver Broncos is a very intriguing matchup. Justin Jefferson is back. I repeat, Jay Jettas, Justin Jefferson, is back. And he tweeted out after the Vikings won the last game, I can't wait to get back on the field with this team. This guy changes the game. This guy is different. Um... They better put Pat Sertan on him and have him follow him all game because the pastronaut is ready. Now Josh Dobbs has been there a couple weeks. Josh Dobbs, I remind you, is a rocket scientist. If he knows how to put together rockets and spends time studying in NASA, I think he knows how to pick up the Vikings offense with Kevin O'Connell. So this is an intriguing matchup. Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, and the Broncos return home. To Denver, I'm sure their fans are going to be a little bit more excited because they've been better as of late. The Denver Broncos are two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Minnesota Vikings. 
That is a Sunday night football game that you would think would be flexed. No, now, now there's some intrigue there. The Philadelphia Eagles at Kansas City Chiefs is a great Monday night football game to end a great Week 11 slate. It's the Super Bowl rematch, and uh, I, I just want to see Pat Mahomes and these guys go out there and beat the brakes off the Eagles. I hope it's not close to Andy Reid Bowl, Andy Reid versus former team, but ay ay ay, this Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing is so real. I just read something today that Travis Kelsey's parents and Taylor Swift's parents are supposed to meet up for the first time at the game Monday night. Oh, great. So we know that they're going to be on camera every three and a half minutes as we're trying to watch a football game between the two teams that went to the Super Bowl last year. 877-337-6666. I'll take your calls on this football Friday early morning on The Fan. If you want to talk Yamamoto, Juan Soto, Pete Alonzo, we can do that as well. Congrats to Shohei Otani winning the AL MVP. Congrats to Aaron Judge breaking up his three MVPs, which would have been in a row. Ronald Acuna Jr., you knew he was going to be the NL MVP. Keith McPherson on the fan. Call me up, and we'll talk more sports right after this. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. It'll be a 1-1 to judge. The pitch swung on and hit. Deep center field. Trout on the run. Aaron Judge number 50. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. New beat pack, new beat pack, new beat pack, new beat pack. All right, KM to 2 AM. This is my last 20 minutes on The Fan. C-Max in here. I just saw him. He's ready to go. He'll take you from 2 to 5, and we'll roll into a football Friday with all the rest of the guys on the fan. Call up 877-337-6666 if you want to talk football, if you want to talk baseball. I don't think anybody really cares to talk basketball. I didn't really waste any time on the Nets tonight, and that's perfectly fine. It's about to be Yamamoto time. Mike is in the Bronx. What's up, Mike? You're on the fan. Hey, Cam, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'd like to talk about uh, what Cashman said, uh, uh, you know, talking about analytics. I think the biggest problem that Yankee fans have with Cashman, you know, was saying with, with all his acquisitions, I think the problem is that they, we want them to line up more like Texas. We want some tough hitters, tough hitters to get around who could also hit home runs. We don't need a bunch of guys who hit home runs and hit 210. The difference between 210 and 270 is 210 is a bad hitter, and 270 is a guy who knows how to hit. Guys who hit home runs in the postseason are guys who know how to hit and could hit some home runs. We need some tough hitters in the middle of that lineup to help judge 
Judge and Torres out. I think that's what the Yankee fans want more than anything, and I don't think Brian Cashman gets it. No, I don't think he gets it either. I think that he thought he could cut corners. I think that he thought he could hit the bargain bin, the clearance rack. You know, I say it all the time. When you saw the guys that we had to depend on this year, it's like, bro, where did these guys come from? Why are these guys on the team? These guys were spring training invites, and they actually end up being starters for multiple games and series. Like, once Judge went down, there was nowhere to hide. And uh, everybody knew what was going to happen, man. As soon as Judge went down in Dodger Stadium, we knew that this team was going to fold, and they did. And there, there's got to be more guys that can stand up. Now, we expect Rizzo to bounce back, but who knows? He's another year older. DJ, uh, it's it's a journey with him now every year that he's been older. Uh, Glaber, I, I hope Glaber has a good year. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be here. Uh, I think Volpe will take a step forward. But, yeah, we need to get a Juan Soto-type bat in here, and I know there's not that many Juan Soto-type bats, but we need another feared hitter in here that pitchers have to face. Um, it was just too easy to no-hit the Yankees this year. Every scrub pitcher that we never heard of was going six innings against the Yankees looking like their their best outing of the season. Right, but even, even when the Yankees were hitting during the regular season, they can't hit in the playoffs because we have the guys like Donaldson and Joey Gallo who... If you're going to have a big home run hitter as your main hitter, even if, even if you're not going to get a Soto, which we do need, but the lesser hitters have to be tougher hitters. They cannot just be the guys who hit 25 home runs but hit 210 and walk a lot. Those guys just fold in the postseason. Like even in the past, Swisher, like Swisher always did, and we saw Donaldson do. Oh, those type of hitters don't hit because they're not good hitters and they just feast on the bat. Yeah, need more well-rounded hitters. Thanks for the call, Mike. Need more well-rounded hitters, but and I watched the postseason like I think most of you watched the postseason. Home runs win these games. Everybody was loving the Phillies. Why? Because the Phillies have JT Realmuto, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber, Alec Bohm, um, Bryson Stott. Obviously, Bryce Harper, saving him for last, but they had a bunch of different guys that were hitting the ball out of the ballpark. That's how they were winning until they couldn't hit anymore. Um, Even with the Rangers, right? The Rangers had Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, Adelise Garcia. These guys were mashing. Garcia had 15 RBI against the Houston Astros. Multiple homers in a game, like, these guys in clutch moments hit the ball out of the ballpark. Chicks dig the long ball. You got to be able to hit. You got to be able to hit. You know, let's let's play a game right now. Let's go to Yankees.com and uh, let's go to schedule, right? And we all know Judge went down that first weekend of June. I'll never forget it because I was coming back from paternity leave and um, I had a stream on Bleacher Report ranking MLB's top 10 teams. And um, (laughs) on the stream, my whole backdrop in my apartment is Yankee stuff. Yankees World Series, Rivera Ave, Derek Jeter. So people think I'm going to be a Yankee homer and put the Yankees up there after they beat the Dodgers in Dodger Stadium. And I did not. And they're like, why? Why'd you leave the Yankees out? You don't even think the Yankees could be 10? And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Judge got hurt, and the Yankees are being very vague about it. And that makes me believe, like, he's going to miss time and not, like, uh, a couple weeks. 
like maybe a month, maybe two months. And without that guy, they can't hit. So let's go back to June and let's pick a random game here. Let's see. Uh, let's see the the game. Oh, this game sucked. June June twenty seventh against the Oakland Athletics. That first game of that series, which pissed me off so much, staying up to watch that game, that I think I got on air the next day and said that I wasn't gonna stay up and watch the next game. But I lied because like I, I watched the Yankee game. I just I don't know and I. Even this year when when fans are down on the Yankees and then, like, some of my friends are, oh, I didn't even watch the game. I'm like, what? Like, why would you not watch the game? See, okay, so you went to bed and didn't watch the game and you missed the joy of watching a perfect game. I don't care who threw the perfect game. It was, I I will remember the Yankees um, throwing a perfect game in 2023. So the day before that perfect game, let's go and look at the box score. The Yankees only got one measly home run. And guys like Harrison Bader were striking out. Rizzo was striking out, but I don't want to throw Rizzo under the bus because that was a month literally after he got concussed and they just let him. Uh, Stanton with a strikeout. We're relying on Jake Bowers in right field. He's batting fifth with two strikeouts. Josh Donaldson batting sixth with two strikeouts. Billy McKinney batting seventh with two strikeouts. You can't have that. You can't have Jake Bowers, Josh Donaldson, and Billy McKinney striking out six times in the middle of your lineup. Against the Oakland A's? Now this is pissing me off. I don't even know why I just did this little exercise right here. Let's go back and pick a random game where the Yankees sucked and break down the lineup. Can't do it. Can't do it. And they know they can't do it. They know that they have to add. Uh, and if it's not Juan Soto, there, there's going to be some other players in here, whether they trade or whether they buy them. Can't run it back with the same guys. And we're not going to have to worry about the names I just mentioned. Billy McKinney's not going to be a part of the team. Um, Josh Donaldson is a brewer, last we checked. Uh, Jake Bowers, I don't know about Jake Bowers. I think they like Jake Bowers. I won't say he won't be a part of the team because he could be. But I don't expect him to be a like, vital part of the team. Jacob is in Brooklyn. What's up, Jacob? You're on the fan. Hey, what's up? Uh, I wanted to speak about Brooklyn basketball tonight. Uh, what did you think about tonight's game and how the Nets play the defense and the offense? Uh, I didn't watch much of it. I was enjoying watching Thursday night football, and I knew the Nets were going to get got tonight. I watched the first half. The first half was close, but then the was, first was half close. ended with uh, the, the Heat going on a run. And I'm like, they're not going to be able to hold them off in the second quarter. Um, but we've played them previously. Uh, that was two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. We played the Heat. And we, we, we won them. We made a crazy comeback in the fourth. You didn't believe in that? Completely different game. Different different uh, rotations, different team uh, guys that were hurt, that were out. And they got got. I think what I said about the Heat earlier was that the Nets beating the Heat in the Casilla Center in Miami that sparked the Heat to go on the run that they're currently on because then the Heat were like, oh, we got to wake up and take this serious. Like, the Brooklyn Nets are coming in here and beating us with, uh, you know, Mikhail Bridges, Mikhail Bridges and Lonnie Walker. Like, I I, I just look at it early Cam on Thomas in the NBA season. That night. So, who? Cam Thomas had 32 that night. Cam Thomas had 32 that night. No, he didn't. They they actually... Um, against Heat? Against the Heat early two, on. Two, two weeks ago? No. Cam Thomas had 32. No, he didn't. They century had he had thirteen points. Um, he they actually like mugged him. They made sure 
that he didn't have 32, right? Because he started off the first three games of the season with 30. With 40. Almost close to 40. He had no 40-point um, games. Thanks for the call, Jacob. I just got to let you go because you're saying things that aren't true. Um, and I appreciate the Nets call, but there's just no reason to talk about the Nets tonight when they get smoked um, smoked by the Heat. And, and I promise you, I do I do talking Nets podcast. I've been a Nets fan from Jersey days to Brooklyn. Uh, I, I struggle with this team. Um, we've gone on all of these different journeys with this team. I have faith in them. But tonight was a night where I barely watched the game. I watched the first half, and I'm like, this football game is more entertaining. The Devils were on. I knew that I might get maybe one or two calls. I think Jacob and young Josh called to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. And No, they, they weren't beating the Heat tonight. So let's go backwards. You know, we'll do this exercise for the Heat, uh, not, you know, for the Nets fans that want to hear me talk about the Nets. You know, Cam Thomas did not go off in that first game against the Heat. And also, Cam Thomas did not play tonight because Cam Thomas is hurt. So let's compare box scores from November 1st when the Nets went and beat the Heat. And then the Heat went on to beat the Wizards, the Lakers, the Grizzlies, the Hawks, the Spurs, the Hornets. They literally went on a six-game winning streak. After the Nets went into their building and beat them because they were like, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. We can't have Ben Simmons beating us. So then tonight, when I look at this box score and I compare the starters, just let's just look at who started the game for the Nets versus who started the game um, on the first and who started tonight. So on November 1st, you had Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, Mikael Bridges, Ben Simmons, and Cam Thomas. Tonight, you had Dorian Finney-Smith, Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, Nick Claxton, Spencer Dinwiddie. Completely different lineup. Only two guys in that starting lineup that played the first game. Dorian Finney-Smith and Mikael Bridges. And I don't know. I just don't care to talk about the Nets tonight. I, don't, I just don't think it's important. It's a football Friday. Uh, the long and short is they didn't turn the ball over enough. They they rebounded well, but they they couldn't score enough. And you know what? The, the Heat have star players. Tonight, a star player like Jimmy Butler said, I'm not letting them come in my building and beat me again. Tonight is a Heat culture night. They had the Heat culture on the floor. They had the Heat culture City Edition jerseys. Jimmy goes off for 36. Duncan Robinson's going off. He's, he's in six out of ten threes. Can't stop Duncan Robinson. He looks like Sheen from Jimmy Neutron. There's no way. Even himself, I think he was going to be an investment banker or something. Coming out of Michigan, he he was an investment banker. He wasn't even trying to be in the NBA. I mean, props to him, but the Nets weren't beating them tonight. And um, it was a way different game. What also stood out from that first time, and I remember being on the fan, right? I mentioned Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker had 23 points tonight off the bench. He had 20, he had 17 points that first time, and we were like, that's when we were looking at Lonnie Walker. Like, yo, this guy wasn't even in the rotation the first night. He's got to be a part of this, and he really has been. But the 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 hero of that first game against the Heat, which, of course, the Heat didn't see it coming. It was Armani Brooks. Armani Brooks plays for the Long Island Nets. They activated him because the Nets had injuries. And Armani Brooks came and hit five out of the six three-point attempts that he took. He hit 17 points. He had 17 points. So that was just one of those games early on in the season. It was the fifth game of the year. The Heat got got. The Heat are the defending Eastern Conference champions. Tonight... The 6-6 six six Brooklyn Nets were not going in there and beat 
beating the Miami Heat that were on a six-game winning streak. It just wasn't happening. So a completely different game. Um, on to the next. The Nets, I think, still have something quietly, but like they don't have a star player. And in the NBA, you need stars, right? In the NBA, like I said, Jimmy Butler can decide, I'm going off for 36. None of you can check me. I'm not losing to this team. I'm not losing to the Nets again in here. And they handle their business. Dwight's in Asbury Park. What's up, Dwight? You're on the fan. Oh, yeah. Hey, um, I was, that injury to um, Burrow, I heard about that, that today on the ESPN. They tried to cover it up. I was like, somebody going to the, the um, Goodell should scream on this fact they're trying to cover up that injury. Yeah, it's shady. Um, I, I, I bet that this isn't the last that we hear about it, especially because of the error they made posting the video and then deleting the video once fans started commenting, hey, what's what's Burrow got on his hand? What's he got on his wrist? Is he hurt? Is he hurt? Yeah, he's hurt. But they didn't put him on the injury report. You can't manipulate the injury report like that if a guy's well, hurt. When I, when I heard that he had an injury, had that he had that broken wrist, I said, it's a wrap for them. It's a, they ain't losing and winning this game tonight. Yeah, I should have bet bigger on, on the Ravens, to be honest. I should have bet the spread, the alternate spread. Hey, how how deep is the QB class for the upcoming draft? Deep. It's deep. It's deep if you ask me. I think a lot of these, these guys uh, coming out, like we just saw Tommy DeVito was the 10th rookie to get a start at, at, at quarterback in the NFL. And we just saw Jake Browning play. Backup quarterbacks are playing more than ever. And this next class has so many guys that I think are going to end up playing right away next year. Um, it's just so much turnover in the NFL. I think it's deep. Obviously, all you hear about is Caleb Williams and um, Drake May, but there's good quarterbacks. I'm not, I'm not, I know everybody's trying to get to drink the Kool-Aid on Williams. I'm not sure. I'm, he got too much. He don't have enough size to me. Yeah, I he's not. He he's like, kind of small. He's kind of small. He's like, I don't know. He he he. What he has to me is is just playmaking ability and I just went on this whole rant about how Zach Wilson doesn't go and make enough plays he doesn't make enough happen the best players the best quarterbacks they, they it doesn't look like there's a play there then they make a play uh Caleb Williams has playmaking ability but in the NFL if you're undersized it's tough to play and he doesn't take care of the ball he fumbles the ball and he throws interceptions so I don't know. Yeah, because I'm looking at the um, – hey, what do you think about that guy, uh, Bo Nix from Oregon? You think he's going to sneak into the top ten or the top five? I think he could with a good workout, a good pro day. He's been in college forever. He's been in college for like five years. He's got a lot of reps and experience. That plays, right? When they talked about Brock Purdy, they're like, this guy's got a lot of reps. When they talk about Tyson Bajan, they're like, this guy played in, in, in college for five years. You, you need reps. The more reps you have, the more defensive defenses you've seen, the more plays you've run. I wouldn't count Bo Nix out. Yeah, uh, Michael uh, Penix Jr., the, um, the, um, J.J. McCarthy. What about the um, wide receiving core, the wide receiver um, class? Is that going to be deep, too? Well, yeah. yeah uh, about all you're going to hear about is, is, is Maserati Marv. Marvin Harrison Jr., obviously the bloodline, and him being 6'4", 205. He's, he's a bigger body than his dad. Um, all you're going to hear about is him. But, of course, man, there's there's wide receivers everywhere. Keon Coleman, I'm a Florida State football fan. I'm not as big of a fan as, as I was when I was a kid, but I grew up rooting for them. Keon Coleman is a monster of a man. He's he's strong. He's fast. 
He can return kicks and punts. Like, um, like imagine him going to the Giants. They need somebody that can return kicks and punts, and they need somebody to, that can make plays. Like, if the Giants trade back a little bit and, like, miss out on a, you know, top quarterback or Marvin Harrison, but Keon Coleman's there, they have him going to the Jets, actually. I'm looking at Tankathon. They have him going to the Jets at 12. That'd be great if the Jets could get Keon Coleman. Yeah, he got, like you say, he got size and speed. He can be a return man. Yeah. That'd be right up their alley. They need something like that for sure. All right, thanks for taking my call, Keith. Appreciate you, Dwight. Dark City, Asbury Park on the fan. I got to go home, man. I think I'm going home maybe next week for Thanksgiving Eve or, I don't know, I got to go back and touch the soil, bro. I got to go back to the shore. Short thing. All right, that's all we got. Uh, C-Mac's coming up next. And I'm sure C-Mac has some thoughts about Cashman and Cashman talking outside and clearing up the whole John Carl Stanton thing and Yamamoto. Yamamoto's about to clear waivers or whatever. I don't, I don't think that's the term for it. Well, it's definitely not the term for it. <laughs> Here's the term for it before the back music plays. Yashinobu Yamamoto's posting window remains on track to open in the next several days. The procedural documentation is nearly complete. Once finalized, Major League Baseball clubs will receive formal notice of the 45-day window to negotiate with his representatives. Hopefully, it don't take that much time. Hopefully, there's not that many people that he's talking to. It might just be here in New York. And, man, how much fun will we have if he chooses the Yankees over the Mets? And money can't buy you love, Steve Cohen. You can't just bid on this one. Winner doesn't just go to the highest bid on this one. The guy might just want to be a Yankee. The guy might just see himself in the Bronx in Yankee Stadium and in Navy blue pinstripes, not those royal blue pinstripes. Maybe the guy just wants to, you know, see what the bleacher creatures are like and what Legends is like and what it's like to be a New York Yankee, not go see what that apple is like and what the seven line is like. He, he just might fancy himself as a Bronx uh, baseball player. I don't know. You know, like a Tanaka type, like a, like a, like a Matsui, like a, like a Ichiro, like a, didn't uh, G-Man Choi play for the Yankees? I don't think he was rooting for G-Man Choi. I don't think he was watching G-Man Choi thinking, I want to be a Yankee because of G-Man Choi. He's a 25-year-old, he's a 25-year-old ace from Japan. He's 100% a Tanaka fan, and that number 19 has been waiting Waiting for somebody to claim it. And I've been waiting to wear my 19 jersey again. Waiting for somebody to take it. Tanaka time. To Yashinobo Yamamoto the Yankee time. All right, I'm, 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 I'm hype. I'm sold. I'm all in. I want the guy. More so than Juan Soto. Let's see if it happens. Coming soon. And coming up next. Mackey's. Back in town. I don't. I don't. I can't hit the notes like Chris does. I'll be driving home listening to Chris hit that. Now that Mac. All right. Let me not. Let me not do that before Chris can do his own intro. <laughs> C Max coming up next. Five hour KM to AM at seven PM. I'm out. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 